I nope. get it. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll have a nice cake uh, coming coming at you when you get home and stuff. So, um, I, I hope that will be uh, that'll be suitable celebration for you, mate. I think I'm going to TGI Fridays. Are you really nice? Yeah. Big dirty milkshake. Why not? Forty-seven today. Amazing. Folks, it is Adam Gordon's birthday today, in case you didn't know. And why would you know? Because he's not wearing any, no birthday hat or no, no indication of celebration here. Uh, but it's Adam's birthday, everyone. Why don't everyone wish Adam a very happy birthday in the chat? Um, because uh, the man is still there. Um, I don't know how many Brain Food Lives you've done, probably 200 plus by now. Um, and, it, and it has aged you. Um, I've contributed. <laughs> I feel as if I've contributed to your gray hairs, mate. Um, and vice versa. Do you remember we saw uh, there was that, that that picture of us from a webinar that we did together about five years ago or six years ago or something? And we were like, mm, yeah, we definitely were both grayer than we were then. Significant. The grays on the accelerators, no doubt about it. Um, anyway, listen, welcome everybody to Brain Food Live on Air. It's episode A242. Um, we're bringing it to you every Friday. No fail, as always is the case. Um, and I'm delighted to be chatting with you. Usually I do a sound check, but I can see that everyone's wishing Adam a happy birthday on Crowdcast, so there's no worries about sound there. I do need to check on LinkedIn whether you can hear me okay, though, um, because we are broadcasting this on my LinkedIn, Adam's LinkedIn, Juliana's LinkedIn, I believe a bunch of other people's LinkedIn's. If you're watching this on LinkedIn and you have not yet wished Adam a happy birthday, can you please let me know that you can hear me okay in the comment thread? Um, because I want to confirm whether I've triggered this okay having previously messed up several times. I seem to be live on mine, so it's fine. It looks okay. Okay, cool. Let's get on with it. Um, uh, well, what are we talking about? Uh, oh, we have, to, uh, we, have to, we have to thank our sponsors, as always. Um, folks, we can't run Brain Food Live without our sponsors. Every week, I think this has been consistent now for the last four years, every week, a company, usually a recruitment technology company, has stepped up and say, you know what, we're going to support um, you having these conversations, important for the industry. Every week this happens. Um, and this week's sponsor has been a uh, recurring sponsor. Um, uh, it's been otter.com. Otter, who basically sponsored like a bunch of them beginning of the year. So um, they're, they're a marvelous product. Um, uh, they've been um, a, a, a company that's really, oh, you've got lots of children in the background there. I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Yeah, that's it. You mute yourself. That's good. Um, and uh, and whilst uh, he's got sort of, uh, whilst Adam is basically wrangling kids uh, digitally there, uh, let's bring on um, Otter.com themselves. They can tell you all about it. It's Finley Clark. I've just um, uh, uh, invited Finn on stage. I think that's the right Finn. Uh, surely there's only one. Um, there he is. Finn, how are you good doing? Afternoon. Good evening, Hung. Indeed so, indeed so. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening to everybody. Great <laughs> to see you back in the show. You're becoming a regular now, Finn. How do you feel? Well, do you feel comfortable in the seat? I, I feel very nice. Thank you for having us and great to sponsor. Um, it was great to go deep into the some of the tech stuff that we covered last week. And happy birthday to you as well, Adam. Congrats. Do you know what? So many people gave me feedback on the basically your 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 digest of the of the, the data, and they really love that format. So we are actually going to repeat that um, a couple of times this year. I think you know one in every four brain food lives will probably be that format. 
um, a bit of pressure onto um, you know the, the, the vendor side because obviously it's going to be data driven. I don't think we want consultants on this. No offense for our consultants, but it's it's like okay, what is actually happening on platform? If you've got that information, let me know. Um, anyway, you've got news, Finn. So why don't you tell us a bit about the big news um, at Otter this week and uh, why that's interesting um, and uh, and who should care about Otter.com in general? Yeah. So. Thanks, Hung. Yeah, so if you're not familiar, um, for the last four years, what we've been doing at Otta is building a job search platform that really just makes looking for work a lot less soul-crushing. Um, for candidates, that's been tailored matches, curated marketplace of great, innovative, fast-growth companies, and then wonderful information about those roles. And for companies, what they've had the benefit of is getting fewer but better quality applications. And obviously, we've now scaled this across Europe, into America, we've got about 1.7 million candidates using us, and uh, sorry, candidates. And we're trusted by companies like the Financial Times and Checkout, Multiverse. So it's not just tech jobs, and it's not just tech companies or startups. But this year, th this week, we have announced that we're we joined forces with Welcome to the Jungle. So um, we've uh, the deal was sort of announced this week. We've been working on it for a number of weeks, but. Great to announce it. Welcome. Um, they are a, a French business. They've been going for eight years. They have got a phenomenal employer brand as a service type offering with combined ATS, media arm, and they're partnering with over 3,000 companies. So they've got a huge penetration in France. We've obviously been tackling job search from a slightly different angle across UK, Europe, and US. And the combined entity gives us the kind of much stronger job search plus employer branding with the ambition to build something unified and take it more international and global. So lots to do. That's the plan. But yeah, exciting time to, to be part of it. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And welcome to the jungle. I think we're basically was the best name for any recruitment tech business ever. Uh, and you know, amazing that the French came up with it. And that's not a disrespect to the French, <laughs> but it may have taken a non-native English language uh, uh, business to give it a shot like that. And uh, they've been uh, pulling up trees in France for a long time now. So uh, really excited to see them uh, expand their operations and excited to see uh, what, what happens um, uh, and how they kind of uh, synergize with you guys at Otter. Um, that's fantastic, Finn. Um, and by the way, lots of uh, love in, in the comment thread for you guys. So otter.com, folks, if you want to check out uh, any of those details. By the way, um, and this is not sort of necessarily happy news, but Otter uh, also are hosting um, something like a thousand plus recruiter jobs as well on platform. Um, so if you're on the market and actually looking, don't be shy about signing up as a candidate there um, because there'll be opportunities there with some premium companies that are actively looking for, uh, for, for recruiters. So go ahead and do that. Uh, Otto.com. Okay, great. Finn, thank you so much for joining us, man. Enjoy the rest Pleasure. of the show. I'll hope, I'll hope to catch you soon, okay? Well, dude, thanks, guys. All the best. Cool. Um, what a good guy. Um, uh, excellent to see him. Um, all right, let's get on with the uh, review of the newsletter, Adam. Um, unless you've got like a cacophony in the background, which I think you probably have. no, 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 no. I was um, just going to say, can we can we not start? Like, welcome to the jungle. Great, great company name. I just wanted to say, like, could could we start a company called Paradise City, or like uh, Sweet Child of Mine? After 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 dis destruction tracks, yes, why not? Every GNR um, song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's a every few, every. Know. Every track on that first album is a banger, mate. Um, I mean, that's one of the best that's not albums. The first album. Debut albums. It's it not was the first, first album. Album. 
the first album was one before that, which is absolutely full of um, homophobia and um, like anti-women stuff. And uh, it's this like is, this is this is Guns N' Roses. This is Guns N' Roses. Okay, it's, I didn't know. Their that. first um, album was called Lies. No, that was their second I mean, album, man. You got this wrong. Um, you got the order wrong for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, we can prove that. About you're talking about Appetite for the Destruction. Is the Appetite second album. for Destruction was the first. That was the second album. album. First album's Lies. All right, uh, somebody, somebody check we'll, it out in the, Somebody check we'll, it out and tell so us. Well, uh, let's have a look on comments here. I'm 100 certain I'm right, um, but it's okay. We'll we'll let the crowd decide. Um, okay. All right. Um, let's mm. review the newsletter, mate. Uh, did you read it last week? And if so, what was interesting? Yes, I did. Um, and uh, LinkedIn X-ray search is soon to be dead. I mean, that's like big news. Uh, I read Marcel van der Meer's uh, blog. Um, there's certain things that are now going to be limited view on Google, so you're not going to be able to see job title, headline. You're only going to be able to see 88 characters of the actual um, about, uh, and it's like finding people based on um, it's finding people based on things like recommendations and stuff like that. This is a, this is like it, it's surprising it's taken so long. Correct. You know, it's surprising it's taken so long, um, but. You know, um, they've got to they've got to they've got to monetize their farm. You know, um, and right now they've got crows pecking at the seeds. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the description. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you became so poetic, Adam. But you know, um, uh, there we are. Um, by the way, folks, if you didn't know this, it's actually really big news for sources. I think um, because um, what's happened here is that LinkedIn uh, has restricted the. Parts of a, a user's profile, which is crawlable by search engines, or at least crawlable by Google. Um, so if you're trying to search for candidates outside of LinkedIn using X-Ray, which is you know the site search essentially, uh, sitelinkedin.com, and then you're looking for, for certain words, you're no longer able to scan uh, big components of um, a, a, a profile page. Um, I think you've only got the first name, as you say, limited characters on the about, um, nothing on the, the bio, nothing on location, nothing on any of that. Um, so it means, I think, a significant um, uh, problem for sourcing. I think sourcing functions will suddenly have a capacity, like a, a, an a, a efficiency issue um, because where previously you could jump in and generate candidates real quick, it's going to take you um, a lot more time to, to do it um, than before. We're going to talk about this. There's a brain food live on this in about three weeks' time. We've got Marcel, we've got Irina, we've got Mike Santoro. Uh, hopefully, we get Yang Tegzi. We've got Balash. Uh, we've got uh, everyone. I, I, I call it the sources all hands. Uh, so I want everyone who's thought about this and researched it come together on screen. It'd be like a town hall. Um, we'll just talk about where we're at with it. Uh, because if it is here and it is permanent, then it's a big problem for how we actually identify candidates unless you're prepared to just pay a fortune for LinkedIn, which doesn't show you the candidates anyway. Um, uh, you know, remember, we've been criticizing LinkedIn um, for its search function. Um, and actually, a lot of people are saying X-ray has been more efficient. So now you lose the X-ray and you've got a, a kind of an incomplete uh, dysfunctional search function on LinkedIn. Wow, um, that's really bad news. So... Um, yeah, important one uh, to read and make yourself aware of. Marcel's written about it. Irina has as well. Lots of other people have, have done it. Go and uh, avail yourself to that uh, blog post. Make sure you sign up for the Brain Food Live in a couple of weeks. Okay. I mean, one, one thing. One thing I want to say about that is, you know, we all we all love to hate the companies that are like 
appearing to kind of monopolize the market for certain things. So LinkedIn, Indeed, there's, there's, there's a small handful of companies that get a lot of scrutiny and generally a lot of flack as well. But <clears throat> I, I, I believe that every move like this is an opportunity for innovation and it's an opportunity for you to change the game. Um, if the game's not working the way you want it to, then you've got to look at how else can we do it. And I think it's good for us overall. That's my opinion. Yep. Um, I, I think that um, uh, that's a very positive angle, very positive take. I think you, you, you're right on many respects. Um, and also, it may well be that the sourcing technique has become so ubiquitous that no one's actually getting like competitive advantage, so to say, if everyone knows how to do it. Um, so now we have to work out some new tricks, uh, so to say. However, 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 it does actually mean um, that it's going to be a bit more work for, for, for sources. And, you know, that's something that I'm not sure we've got a huge amount of capacity for. So it's not great news for, for, for us at this point. Um, okay, give us a couple okay. more, mate. Um, I really enjoyed the LinkedIn article about um, the fastest growing jobs over the last, um, well, I think you found some recent, some, some of the like um, background to it was that it's actually since 2018 or 2019 or something like that. But anyway, yeah, growth fastest rate growing job 2018 to 2023. Yeah. So, so when I first, when I first looked at it and I saw chief, chief fastest growing jobs and the first one is chief growth officer, I thought that was a joke, but uh, like a, a late April fool's day, but no, um, Things like government program analyst, environment, health and safety manager, director of revenue operations, sustainability analyst, these types of things. And you think there's not that many of them, but I guess 2018, there was maybe none of them. I saw that diversity include like head of diversity and inclusion or something like that was in their like position number six or something. Um, I think when you're starting off with very, very few, like, you know, and now there's 200 people with that job title, then that's a lot of growth. Yeah, that's exactly a lesson in terms of how to read some of this data. It's the rate of growth. It's not the absolute number, which is why I was quite surprised to see certain roles in there um, because they're not particularly common. And we know that through just common sense, they're not particularly common. But the rate of growth from zero to, you know, 200 people is 200%. It's, it's more than 200%, isn't it? It's, it's a huge amount of growth. Um, whereas if you grew uh, a, a, a job title from a million to, you know, a million, 200,000, um, it's not particularly um, high rate. Uh, anyway, I was very interested to see recruiter being ranked as number nine in that period. So fastest growing jobs in terms of growth rate according to LinkedIn from 2018 to 2023, um, top 25 recruiter was nine. And I think that basically takes into account that huge spike that we had um, all the way up to 2021 when uh, May 2021 was peak recruiter. That was the number one most in-demand job. And it's probably factored in a little bit of the decline since then. But it's, it's such as the rate of the spike, we're, it's still up there as, as, as number nine. So interesting, uh, interesting uh, thing to look at. Uh, shared it in the chat stream. Go ahead and scrutinize it yourself, folks. Um, okay, mate, give us, a, give us another. I enjoyed Marissa Mayer's um, pressy of Eric Schmidt's recruiting um, like uh, policies. So it's Crazy, wasn't um, it? He was, well, yeah, I don't know what Marissa Mayer does now. She doesn't work for Google, does she? She's the former CEO no. of Yahoo. She was ex-Google. And um, so Eric Schmidt, effectively, what, what she was saying was that he emphasized the need to reinvent every process, like at every order of magnitude. And he talked about things like you know, limiting the number of hires happening to 50, um, really making people jump through hoops to, to get hires like on the agenda. There was a crazy one about putting these 
like they, they made some dollars with the founders' faces on them and distributed those. They were laminated and um, it led to this internal black market to actually get them. But like what, what she what she effect the summary of what she said was that like it really hi highlighted the importance of strategic growing rather than like over expansion. And we're seeing that today with so many different companies that are laying people off because they simply grew uh, like they, they, they simply recruited too many people. A good example of that is I'm not going to say the name of the company, but um, there was a there was an um, recording. Uh, uh, a female in the United States who was laid off from a sales job. She'd only been in the company for like one or two months. She wasn't even at the end of her probation and she got laid off and she got laid off by somebody in HR. She recorded the conversation as she basically went mental about why am I getting laid off? Explain exactly why I'm getting laid off and just tell the truth because it's, it's that you've overhired, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed listening to Marissa yeah. Mayer. I, I agree. She had a full interview, by the way, on that, on that Twitter thread. But the, the concept was really clever. It was, a, it was simply uh, Eric Schmidt suppressing overhiring by limiting the absolute number of hires that could be made, even knowing there was legitimate reason to hire more. And they had the money, the budget, whatever. He, he just basically said, look, we know the VPs are going to hire or need to hire 200 people. We're going to create 50 Sergey and Larry notes um and you need to have one of those notes in order to hire so in other words you create this internal market where there was a you know people were trading uh, these uh the the, the the these bills uh, they were worth loads because it meant like you could actually hire someone for your team and of course it also meant that you know lots of managers had to make do without so it kind of really valued the recruitment again um because it was something they wanted to do rather than Oh, we've got another hundred people to you know bums on seats time. So, really, really clever. Um, I, I, uh, it feels a little bit dated in terms of how, whether you get away with it now that type of style. But I, I really like the story. So, shared it on the on the chat thread there. Go check it out. All right, let's get on with the show. Um, Adam, and this is definitely a topic you know nothing about. Uh, measuring quality of hire, and I know this because you actually don't care about this. Uh, <laughs> like you and I had dialogue, didn't we? You said, "Look, it's actually a bunch of." Uh, you effectively dismissed it as a as a concept. No, 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 no. What? I, no, absolutely not. I really do care about that. What? I, I, I'll, I'll put my hands up and say I know absolutely nothing about assessment, um, and I'm I'm happy to I'm, I'm I'm happy to listen to experts all about that. Quality of hire, um, I. I, I sat in front of, I, got, I had a 20-minute meeting with the former CEO. She was the CEO at the time of Dixon's Carphone. And she said to me, how is this initiative? It's back in the social media search days. And I was, I was talking to her about doing something with her. I managed to get 20 minutes with her. She said, how is this initiative going to help me with uh, my um, EBIT, basically? And I, this is like 15, no, it's 10, 15, I don't know some time back and i didn't answer that question at all um i i said this i said the term quality of hire and she said How, what's your definition of that i gave her a definition she was like it's not my definition i said what's your definition she said time to time to performance if the if the person's in the job and they are doing their job effectively by the end of month three that's a good quality of hire if they take less time than that that's an excellent quality of hire if they take longer than that that's not such a good quality of hire. And I thought, but that's yeah. stuck with me ever since. This is about maybe 12 years ago, something like that. And I thought that was quite, quite interesting. 
Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, uh, well done, Haley. I actually had the same demo with Searchlight. They have a very interesting product also. I do recommend you check it out. Um, but it is a difficult thing to measure. Um, what is quality of hire? Uh, in fact, folks, let me direct you to the poll. Um, if you check out the, um, if you're watching this in Crowdcast, um, it, can you check out the sidebar? There'll be a polling kind of icon. Go and click on that and give yourself a vote on, on what, uh, what this is. Do you actually measure quality of hire? Uh, yes, uh, there's a couple of yes options, a couple of no options, and a couple of other options there as well. So uh, please do put your votes in there. I'd love to see your responses. Um, it's fiendishly difficult. Uh, I should also mention that the uh, post that uh, got the most views um, from uh, from uh, me last year was a, an issue. It was the a quality of hire post. So I think it's one of those that actually generates a huge amount of debate. Um, and uh, without further ado, let's get our guests on. Let's have this debate and figure out where we're at particularly with the additional caveat of obviously we're in a world of AI these days. Can AI help or hinder our ability to measure quality of hire? Uh, for instance, was it always a data problem in the sense we didn't have enough data points? Um, was it a processing problem? We had data points, we just couldn't you know, process it all. Um, does actually um, the advent of AI change what we should be measuring? So for instance, if AI suddenly enables everyone to do a much better job, like what are we measuring really? Are we measuring their ability to use AI? Does it, how does it affect um, how we think about this? Um, so let's get our guests on to the show and we'll pick it up from there. So we should have Geraldine. Um, let's bring her on. Uh, we should have, I think I saw Tush into the, uh, there he is. I'll invite Tush there. And I do believe I saw Matt comment away. Oh, there's Geraldine. Hello, Geraldine. How are you? Hello. Great to see you, Geraldine. I think you've frozen on me. Is that is she frozen on you as well, Adam, or just me? Yes. So yeah. No, frozen okay. on me. Okay, cool. Um, and then we've got Tush as well. Tush, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, great to connect with you. I think Geraldine's back. Um, and we've got Matt coming on as well. Uh, Tush, as we've got you solidly online, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you, what it is you do? Yeah. Hi, well, I'm Tush Vijayaratna. I'm currently at WPP as Global Director for Talent Acquisition for Corporate and IT. Fantastic stuff, Tush. Um, and we are waiting for Geraldine. She'll be back in a moment, but we have Matt Bradburn. Matt, great to see you on the show. Um, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Uh, yep, uh, I'm Matt Bradburn, founder of People Collective and now growth and ecosystem lead across People Collective and Seed. Fantastic stuff. Great to see you, Matt. Um, Geraldine, please do give it another shot. I might actually need to um, re-invite you, uh, but wonderful to get you on screen as well in a sec if you're able to manage it. Um, oh, here yeah. she is. <laughs> <laughs> I was hey. wanting to make a dramatic entrance. That was it. Hello. You did it. I, I, I know you I do this on purpose, Geraldine. I do. I know it's you do it on purpose, me. don't you? Yeah. Anyway, uh, can you quickly introduce yourself, Geraldine? Who are you? What did you do? Um, well, clearly a technical expert with this kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So I'm G. I'm founder of Broadcast, uh, which is a people consultancy that helps founders and their people scale and optimize their startups in a sustainable and enjoyable way. And I'm a chief people officer by trade. Fantastic stuff, Geraldine. OK, great. Let's deal with this topic straight off the bat. Um, let's consult the poll real quick um, and see where we're at. OK, here's the question on the poll. 
do you measure quality of hire? Yes, and sticking with it, we had three votes. That's only 9% of the voters on this. Um, yes, but it needs revision. Four votes, 12.12%. No, but a plan to do so. 18 votes, that's 52.95%. Um, do not have a plan, but plan to have a measure of higher uh, metric on 2024. And then finally, we have no no plan to do so. Nine votes, 25.71%. I want to give a shout out to those 25.71%. Just refuse nicks. Um, credit to you um, in, in not giving a damn. That's great. Um, but the, the big numbers here is that obviously not many of us have got this sorted. Um, and there is an interest in getting there. Can we first ask the question, why is why is it the case that we don't do this? Um, what are the main reasons why in your uh, business or the companies you've dealt with, uh, have you um, kind of discovered which stops companies from implementing quality of higher measures? Um, uh, let's, let's go with you first, Matt. What's your thoughts? Um, I was going to side with Adam and just say it's a load of uh, BS, but I, I will come back and bring this into a sensible place. Um, I, I think it's its disparate nature. Uh, it's really hard to get a selection of data. It's really hard to get quality of data across a selection of disparate measures. Um, and therefore, uh, everyone's got such a differing understanding of what it is. It's almost impossible to benchmark. So you can't see what your quality of hire would be versus another organization. Um, and frankly, it's one of those things that's so ethereal, you either just know it exists or it doesn't based upon how that person has a broad impact in a business over a period of time. And it's really hard to measure. Yeah. So first things first, we might not agree on the definition of what it is. So the first thing that actually Adam mentioned um, and where there is dispute, like how do we actually resolve that? Because it might well be you've got a number of C-level people that actually, you know, don't agree on, on that measure. So maybe the first thing to do is to have it out and decide how do we measure it? Uh, OK, G, go to you. Uh, what have you encountered in your travels uh, that stops companies from or functions from implementing a quality of higher measure? Yeah, so I think sometimes it can be seen as a nice to have. There are so many other pressing priorities in high tech organisations that when you need to hire, sometimes you just need to hire. If you think about the great resignation that happened and then suddenly it was, we need people now or yesterday, very few companies were stopping and actually going, hang on, can we just, can we think about how we're going to measure this? And kudos to those who had the resources to do it and the foresight to do it. Um, it wasn't necessarily seen by many as a, um, a burning platform. And often other things within the business take priority, like product market fit, how you're bringing in revenue. So the, the dialogue on it, unless you've got somebody who's very passionate about it within the people space or elsewhere within the company, it's going to be hard to get that narrative and that buy-in i think across the company and, and within you know from an executive point of view yeah very good point so simply competing priorities particularly if it is a early stage company other numbers are more important i think we all recognize that's true um and uh, it, it, it kind of requires a mature people function doesn't it you can't imagine this happening um, where there isn't a people function, like uh, you know, uh, that probably doesn't even exist as a thought. Um, and even if there's like small numbers, if there's one or two people, they're all hands on deck. Uh, do they really have time? 
startups also scale ups and whatnot that the, the runway may not necessarily allow it may not even make sense to put a measure in mm. when you're, you're sprinting towards you know mm. a, a three-month goal or what have you um tush i've got to bring you in because you work you've worked for some mega companies you've got no excuses right you big corporate <laughs> huge people teams uh, all this type of like a long legacy of hiring people as well um i, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how long uh, companies like WPP have been around in existence, but certainly multiple years in which you could probably get some idea, at least do comparison over time. What have you encountered in your uh, career path that kind of stops functions or companies uh, implementing uh, quality of hire metric? I think I asked two questions. One is, why is it important? What are you trying to get at? And is it because your teams are not performing? Uh, and is it because you're not retaining talent? So is that the, why you want quality of hire? Second question is, are you happy to learn the truth? Because it, you're looking for someone to blame, right? Is that TA? Is that HR? Is it the management? It's got to go somewhere and it, and it might be equally distributed. And very few companies are mature enough to take that challenge on and to action regardless of where the blame ends. So I think... The companies that I've worked for, some have implemented it and gone and said, right, you know what, we're going to be bold and brave and it doesn't matter where the blame is, we're going to start fixing it. Whether it's TA ownership, whether it's management training for the hiring managers uh, and the people people managers in general. Um, so it comes down to that element of it, the maturity of the organization, whether they're large or small, it doesn't really matter. Are you happy to change and are you happy to, to do things which might upset a few people, but gets to the end goal of getting the right caliber of people and retaining the right caliber of people. Yeah, really interesting um, perspective, Tush. And, and I, I do like the positioning of it. Like, what is the purpose, actually, of trying to implement this? Um, is, it, is it a blame allocation exercise? Um, or, you know, is there a genuine motivation for, for instance, to um, improve the talent quality, talent density of the business? Um, and, and it's important to have the right motivations in place because if it is a blame exercise you don't actually need to go through uh, a proxy exercise to blame people right i mean you can just say right if it's a blaming let's just throw some darts at people find us blame it's faster that way rather than go through a performative exercise that actually doesn't um doesn't explicitly point the finger that's in, in fact the intent um okay very very interesting um in terms of, if you ha- go ahead, I don't. Someone's about. I was just going to say that you know the, the area of recruitment that I'm most excited about personally is is always everything that's attraction related, and um, one of the things that from that perspective I think it's really important to measure is what are the channels that are working and what are the channels that are not. So if you do get some way of like agreeing what quality hire is, and then you can go well, like our employee referral providers are telling us that they are always providing the best quality hire you can work out if that's true or if it's actually advertising or if it's actually direct sourcing or if it's actually something else so i think that's it helps inform how you go about delivering your talent acquisition yeah um if, if i could just add to adam's point um a quality of high in one company might be not the quality of high in another company right so it does it comes back to the audience so come to adam's point of attraction what is the audience we're trying to attract and that's where data and metrics and knowing your organization helps. Um, and that aspect of why you want to know quality of hire, yes, I agree with, because at the end of the day, it's a happy marriage between a candidate and a company. You want that to work. Um, so going back to Adam's point of attraction and quality of hire go hand in hand, 
if you're uh, going towards understanding what who would really do well in this company and they might not be do well at another company but who do we want who is going to thrive in our environment our structure uh with our politics all that kind of taken into consideration i think that's a really great point and actually i think we can take it a little bit further and say quality hire might be one completely different thing in the go-to-market area versus the tech area versus the ops area yeah as well yeah and it well, can change yes and no any <clears throat> sorry no hang on sean has basically given us a universal solution here so well done sean it's the classic it's tenure if the person's still there after x amount of time that's quality of high because if you're terrible you'd have fired no. them no, um, no, 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 it's, it's definitely no, not maybe, that. Maybe not. Definitely not no. that. I can give you an example. <laughs> a retail, when I, when I, when I worked, <laughs> don't, don't give names, mate. We don't want examples. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, worked in, I, worked in a, I worked in a big, big four consulting firm in the HR consultancy area, and I did a lot of work with a very large retailer. And one of their problems was that all of their general store managers had been there for 20 plus years. They literally wanted to get rid of them because there was no innovation, there was nothing exciting happening, the stores were all sort of stagnating. Um, so I, I, I think that's not a, it's not a good measurement of quality hire. I think the right. quality of hire can way. also on, the quality the quality of hire can also vary as well on what the business needs are at any given time. Businesses are having to pivot very quickly, and suddenly what would have been a brilliant quality hire two years ago is not now. So it it's a you know a veritable moving feast, and there needs to be an element of flexibility within some kind of definition to make it effective that's why it, it can be such a challenge and it can vary on interpretation department by department you know and it's all right it's a Josie, tricky you made a very good, you made a very good point we need to re re go back to it because basically one of the tricky points is that we whatever measure we use it may not be it may not be dynamic enough to respond to changing circumstances so i think you're absolutely right you can hire someone who is a quality of hire the circumstances change that's not a bad hire um the circumstances have just changed and now it's a bad fit um so yeah there's there's, there's it's this part of the the conditions of the difficulty there um okay um very very interesting uh, you, uh, this conversation has reminded me of uh, uh, of something that uh, I forget who it is. Maybe Andrew Gadamski mentioned this um, on one of the, the the chats on 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 Facebook uh, ages ago. But he talked about the difference between um, submission and actually hire. So quality of hire, you know, like are recruiters responsible for the management of this person going forward? We don't know. We know that a good quality candidate can actually have a terrible performance, quote unquote, if the environment's horrendous, what if this person gets bullied by their manager, for instance? Um, what if they, you know, end up being transferred away from the team they were meant to be joining and it's a different environment or whatnot? Uh, what if they were, they were hired for a particular project that's no longer going to go ahead and they're suddenly hurriedly redeployed? Um, all of those things are outside of TA's control. Um, so perhaps the measurements for us is more like uh, a submission to interview, let's say, um, because you know, we're, we can only be responsible for presenting quality candidates uh, that the hiring managers prepared to, to take forward. And if they do take them forward, then we've kind of done our job, haven't we? Um, no, like, do we de-scope the, the, the thing? In other words, we don't try and say, we're going to solve all of this from a, you know, acquisition point of view. We actually don't control what happens after the, the hire is made. 
arguably we don't control it after the submission is made so we kind of pull back our responsibility to say look the only number we need to care about is submission uh, to interview thoughts on that I'm going to go bold here and say the, the opposite. I think it's a combined job of, of TA and people, right? Like it's it's the it's the joined up journey, right? Like what is the joined up journey? And let, let's take it take it as a as a line, right, or a circle, whatever you want. But let's go with a line, nice and easy, right? Like uh, how was the candidate experience, uh, and what was the rating for that person when you were scoring them during the interview process? How was the onboarding? How did you uh, you know feel the quality of onboarding was? What was your scoring around the quality of onboarding, etc. Like um, um, how was the you know the performance during that period? How's the continual performance? How do you feel the company's doing in terms of supporting your needs? Right, like for me, it's like two sides of this line constantly, and it's always feeding back in terms of a feedback loop to like how do we improve to improve TA? How do we improve onboarding? How do we improve retention? It's not like it's not a case of like oh this is TA's job or like we must go down to the minute chair of like we just pull this down to selection. It's actually like okay. Like we can't, we, there are so many factors to go into this that you're kind of like, let's just break this down to the stages that we can control, right? Well, we can control like quality of engagement during the interview process, during the onboarding uh, and during, you know, general retention practices, right? Like it's one of those where you could argue all day long for like, well, I've got a very specific, I, I will happily argue that, you know, employee acquisition cost of lifetime value uh, is an effective measure of quality of hire over a longer period of time based upon the return on investment in that person that you've hired, right? But at the same time, you're like, you're pulling it down to one single thing, it makes it quite tricky. So what I have seen work is where you're like, okay, cool, we can balance the three pieces of the cycle that we can actually look at and see both sides of it and then use it as feedback loops instead of going top. Hey, any thoughts on that, um, Geraldine Tush? So I can pipe in on this. I, like so I look at it, sorry, Geraldine. No, 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 um, go ahead, go ahead. So I like it. I look at it in two different ways. Quality of hire, the pure essence, the term hire is talent attraction, right? But it stops at the point of hiring. Right? Quality of performance is people, team, extended people, team, and the line management perspective. So if your quality of performance is measured properly in terms of, am I looking after this individual? Are they doing the job that we thought they could do at the point of hire and managing them up or down, that's not a TA issue. But there's been many scenarios in my career where someone hasn't worked out and it's like, Tush, you hire the wrong person. I bring the person based on the brief that I'm given who undergoes a stringent interview process. The final decision of hiring is not mine. It's the hiring managers. But it's that change of ownership from TA to candidate to employee, right? Employer. So candidate to employee, transfer is performance management. So I look at quality of hire slightly differently if it's up to me as have I done what the brief has told me to do? Have I fulfilled the requirements, the skills, the background, or all the aspects of the role? The hiring decision is made by hiring manager and how they manage that individual is, I'd like to influence it a bit because I might know stuff which would help, which would have come out of um, the psychometric testing or any other evaluations we did previously, but that doesn't necessarily sit in a TA bucket. Yeah, I, I think basically that we're, we're, we're teasing away uh, a little bit at this. It's obvious that there is a bit of a handover uh, sort of uh, line that needs to be discussed, like what is the limitations of uh, at the TA's job? 
Um, I totally get you, Matt. You know, it, maybe where where TA needs to go is to expand scope. And actually, I'm I'm one of these people that does a, does think that TA should kind of relinquish a little bit of the fixation just on the acquisition and and expand scope as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but that may not be the, the, the that may not be possible in in I can imagine a larger organization which has you know these very narrow specialisms and you know, stay in your lane type of uh, approach. Uh, so that's probably one of the things that needs to be looked at. So perhaps when people are implementing um, a measurement, 54% of people want to do it this year. The first thing they need to examine is how are they set up their people function? Um, because if they've got very clear definition, you're a TA, your people, your talent manager, all this type of stuff, that actually needs to go into the conversation as to how you then set up a measurement quality to hire. That's different if you're all like commingled in one big, mm-hmm. big HR happy family, right? So yeah. um, your own internal hey, Haley's- structure might determine what's, what's suitable. Go ahead, uh, Adam. Uh, I think Adam phased out. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say, Haley's made a good, good, good comment in the uh, in the comments here, which is that she's very keen to implement quality hire, but is nervous about the whole like blame aspect of it. Now, I I heard, we are I think it was somebody was it somebody on Brainford recently? It was a company that, that that I heard recently where recruiters make the choices, hiring managers don't have any say in who they get. And so, you know, I think we do, we definitely need to be, and what Tush just said about it, it's the hiring manager's decision. I, I couldn't agree more with that. It's the hiring manager's decision. It's our, it's, it's our fault if we're not giving them, um, you know, enough good candidates or whatever that, that, that fulfills the brief, or we've been unable to coach them around their expectations. Um, so, it, uh, yeah, it's interestingly, sorry, it's just one other quick thing as an aside on this. Um, good use of generative AI um, is uh, here's a job. Here's a job. Phlebotomist, tell me the tell me the five top reasons why this is a really hard to fill job. That's what you lead with with every intake meetings to measure their to, to manage their expectations. Well, let's let's get on with the generative AI bit because the the title the kind of the the parentheses of this title was okay. We've already had these pre AI problems with measurement of quality of hire how does how does this now work in 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 a world where ai is obviously going to be with us um, and transforming our capabilities in many ways how does it help or hinder our ability to implement this measure before we dive into the conversation folks we have to take a mini break uh, right now because we always have to make sure uh, that brain food starts the conversation never ends it um, but we have to come off air in about 15 20 minutes or so in which case uh, it would be a terrible shame if this conversation that we're having both here and in the chat and all the rest of it has to come to an end so take a moment folks grab your linkedin url and share it in the chat stream if you're watching this on crowdcast you're watching this on any of the LinkedIn's out there. I think you're watching this on, on Matt's uh, sort of uh, LinkedIn. I think Geraldine, you're also broadcasting this. So if you're watching it on any of those pages, um, uh, take your LinkedIn com- uh, URL, share it in the comment thread, and just make sure you connect with everyone else who's done the same. Um, there's a couple of hundred people watching this. Worst case, you're going to walk away with 20, 30 new connections, get boosted uh, for 2024. Um, you need to have a, a vigorous uh, 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 network folks. Uh, okay. Let's talk about AI and it's in, it's kind of imposition into this problem. Is it help? How can it help? Um, any thoughts on this Geraldine? 
Yeah, so I think AI is very helpful, certainly from gathering quantitative data, right? You, you can't argue with that. that You've suddenly got this far bigger pool of stats that you can actually rely on and, and play with in some instances. But we do have to remember that this is a human process. Right? when you're actually hiring people and when you're onboarding people? And how is AI capturing cultural qualities of hire? So you may get somebody who is absolutely wonderful when it comes to delivering in three months, but they could be a complete arse to actually be in the organization. So how are they actually, how are you measuring that in terms of quality of hire? And how are you ensuring mm -hmm. that you're also learning from any errors or actually when you've done really well how are you making sure that those considerations are being fed into the loop so you can either course correct or you know continue what you're doing which is which is great i think you make a really good point there two really good points geraldine first one is that is ai is a big enabler and it might actually help us ingest more information so there's always an information processing problem right like it, it, the reason why we have these issues is because we don't have 25 hours in a day to process all of this information but ai might actually give us the capability of doing that in, in, in which case if it is has been a processing issue then maybe it does solve those problems um uh, but yeah we can't ignore that you know there's humanity going there's producing this information um, and uh, we don't want to ever kind of abstract it to such a degree that we have get this. Um, Matt Brabham, go to you. Um, how, how have you, just a scenario this out, how would you see AI potentially helping uh, those 54% um, in implementing a robust quality of higher measure? Is there anything that seems obvious to you? I mean, yeah, if you're throwing it, it depends which area you're tackling, right? Like what? What are we trying to assess? If we're if we're assessing the, the 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 quality of hire at the point of hire, or if we're assessing the quality of hire down the line through performance cycles and using that to feedback, I think at the 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 area of you know if you're like right, what are the, what is the number? What is our what is our quality of hire? You know, you're obviously looking at like right, what are the the answers in the interviews? How do the 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 quality of answer stack up against other answers that we've received to date and other answers for people in the role? So let's take a big volume role. Right, like you've got a massive company with a load of uh, customer success folks. Um, right, we can see the quality of answers here, replicate, I don't know, the behaviors that we're looking for, uh, certain points that we're coming back on can be very useful in terms of quality of hire there. I think, however, if you're taking like, right, let's say tech, growth tech company, knowledge workers, like slightly different. Like uh, often it is the human aspects, the creativity, the certain behaviors that you're looking for, which to, to Adam's delightfully flippant point in the comment, uh, you know, uh, applying chat GPT to their genetic code doesn't quite work, right? Um, so I think that's where the challenge comes in. But I think the positive side is like, if you're mass hiring, absolutely, you can start to look for, for, for much more detail there. But if you are looking for the kind of singular, then it becomes more challenging. Yeah, AI is going to always work better at scale, maybe, um, or at least more comfortably at scale. I think we're, we're, we, we probably... Yeah. From an ethical point of view, it just feels a little bit okay. If we have a massive data, we can actually kind of you know think AI is going to solve this. But when it's like a one to one, do we really want to put AI? It just feels like maybe you know it's intruding on, um, yeah, maybe something that feels that like should be human. But I, I will fuzzy and vague on this, so I, I wouldn't pretend to know everything there is to know there. Um, uh, Tush, what are your thoughts on? Uh, sorry, Matt. I was just going to add to that poll I put out earlier this week around skills, knowledge, and behaviors, right? 
what do people think is the hardest thing to change in a job? It's behaviors, not skills and knowledge um, by like yeah. 98% for the blindingly obvious, right? And if therefore, if behaviors of the attitudes are the hardest things to change, then that's our focal point for a quality of hire over the other two areas. Yeah, sure, the other Very two are important. And therefore, you know, the AI piece becomes even tougher. How do we simulate behavior? Like, what are we talking about? Like, how do the people interact or how do they communicate and um, or how do they respond, let's say, to, to a certain adversity or uh, how do they respond actually to triumph? I mean, sometimes that's also something as a behavioral trait, isn't it? Um, it'd be very interesting to see whether you could ever test for that without actually hiring the guy in. So that's that's the, the, the nature of the, the, the game, isn't it? Can we actually get a, a reasonable proxy that's fair to the person um, uh, uh, that actually we can trust uh, is a reasonable, we're, I guess we're coming into things like personality tests, maybe psychometrics or something like that, um, that, um, you know, give us some guidance as to how this uh, person might behave. Maybe an AI powered version of this might, uh, might work. O although we're going to get a lot of people saying, no, that's terrible. You know, the imposition of these technologies, uh, is, 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 is bad, uh, which, you know, I think is a legitimate argument. Um, Okay, Tush, uh, uh, thoughts to you, um, AI into this problem, where do you see it potentially providing benefit? Um, uh, you know, whether you've got an existing uh, quality of hire measure or whether you plan to do so, um, what, would you, uh, what would you say? I think historically, quality of hire is after someone has been hired and been there in the organization for a certain period. So performance reviews, retention rates, peer reviews, you know, learning mindset of some an individual manager feedback. It's all very subjective. And that's why quality of hire is very hard to measure on those scenarios. But what AI has given us is other tools which you can do it prior to someone joining. So predictive analytics, uh, behavioral analytics, uh, skills matching, element of automated screening, NLP, continuous feedback loops. That data, if you put it into a data lake, will give you a a comprehensive report of the type of hire you're making. And if now the gray area in that is AI is still programming to a certain extent. So it's how good have you ethically and transparently designed the system to mitigate biasness and ensure fairness is there in the process. Now, I think there's a gap between historic and AI today because things like MBTI, predictive index, it's been going on for some time. We have been doing an element of that even though we didn't call it AI at the time, we'd be doing an element of that pre-hiring. But this AI now is just taking to the next level I and mean, giving us a more data-centric view of what a potential person could be with the technology we have right now. So it's more a by a preview of someone rather than I've had this person for six months, a year, I'm not sure about the quality of this person anymore. You kind of know what you're getting. It's a very good point. A couple of people in the comments there. Thanks to Bob and also to Anton. Anton, of course, um, it might be a good time to share that uh, report there, Anton, actually, mate, because um, there was a really interesting thing that um, uh, Screenly produced, um, which I think triggered the conversation a year ago, which is, okay, here's a framework in which you might actually implement this. Um, so I think that'll be useful to share. But yeah, three, it's almost too long. Like by that, by that time, you're probably already looking to fire this person if it's a poor quality of hire. You've moved on from trying to figure out, yeah. you know, how you got this wrong in the first place. You might just say, look, let's get rid of him. Let's forget it. Let's do better next time. And that's generally you know, where, where we go. So it's too late. Uh, we need to be collecting information. And it looks like, uh, similar to what you said, Matt, you need to collect it at 
all stages of the recruitment funnel um, and then feed that back in um, to and join it with the onboarding, with the first 60 days, with the management feedback and all that type of stuff going forward. Uh, so it looks like you've got to create some sort of machine here um, to, to get it working. Well done on sharing that, um, Anton. I'd recommend everyone download that, by the way. Really good uh, document. Um, okay, um, very good. Adam, I think you were about to ask a question, were you? Um, yeah, I mean, at the risk of really dumbing it down, is there any reason why it's not just they passed their probation or they failed their probation? If you're mature as an organization and have a good performance management process and the right managers and the right roles, the probation period comes into play um, to a large extent. Also, going back to what Geraldine said is, the situation may have changed from the point of hire to three months into the role, nine months into the role. And that, that again opens up, is this a bad quality of hire or is it just because our environment has changed the person is not successful in that environment? So again, comes to the measurement of quality of hire. Someone who could have been a stunning job for the first three months, six months, could not be performing the last six months in that year. Um, the other gray area of looking at it is three months really enough to know the person be 100% successful in the role because by the time the individual comes into the organization understands the company the culture the values the process the ways of working uh the people around the environment that's what you kind of mention in three months are they the right fit for us and skills can be taught and learned and that comes to people management but are they the right profile for us but if you're measuring quality of hire in terms of performance of this person is not delivering xyz it opens up a whole kind of worms into have they got the right tools, the right support, the right leadership. Lots of gray areas for me in that scenario. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know what, you're right, Tush. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be afraid to say that probation is a legitimate gate. Um, because if, if you were terrible, you wouldn't pass probation, right? So it's the reason why it's there, so at the very least, the, the the most the the, the worst performers will, will be removed at that point. Um, I, I think I still think you're going to get some poor quality hires past probation um, because they've just not he, you know met uh, a certain level. You think they might. It needs a bit more work. It needs a little bit more or a massage in their way through, et cetera. Um, but uh, it's still not a bad kind of um, uh, in or out type of uh, situation there, um, but uh, but not precise. A thought bubble just came to me. I want to share it right now, though, before I forget. It's a little bit tangential, but I think it might be important. Um, there's some argument to say that with the use of generative AI, we talk about AI as the recruiter and the measure, measurers using it on, on the, uh, this issue. But what happens when the candidates and employees use um, AI to such a degree that they're producing great quality output? Uh, does it, uh, like, if we suddenly get a higher level and it's, they're all standardized because they're all great at ChatGBT because we've got great trainers on that, does it even matter? I mean, you know, uh, okay, like, what are we measuring anymore? Because we can predict the output is going to be great because we've seen people on this training course on ChatGBT be amazing or whatever it is. So in other words, does the employee use of AI compromise the concept of measuring quality to hire? Um, or do we do things like raise the bar? You know, if, if for instance, we initially imagined a recruiter might uh, be able to nail 20 requirements, 
now we think, oh, with this magical AI is here, they should nail 50 requirements. Do we just raise the bar? Uh, or do we say, actually, we can't use the 20 sort of requirements filled uh, measure anymore because we, we don't know sort of how AI is going to contribute to the delivery of this. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Am I insane? I mean, possibly, um, you know. I think it's like, if you think about like peak performance in anything, right? Let's take a, like a combination of human and machine. You take like Formula One, right? Like the age old question of who is the best driver um, in a racing car? And if they all were in the best racing car, uh, would there actually be any significant difference between their time around the track? Uh, which we'll never know because we, we, we don't see the scenario, right? But that is essentially the same playing out. Like actually then is everybody just of a certain level and that expectation that it maximizes, i.e. the machine's capability is so much higher than the human capability that it out maximizes within the role um, to a certain extent. Uh, and therefore, at some point in the coming future, then it doesn't really, none of this matters. And this has been a pointless conversation. <laughs> I joke. <laughs> no, I mean, I think okay, it's whatever gets, it's gets the job done. Yeah. yeah. Well, the analogy of F1, I think, is absolutely perfect because you have different vehicles, mm -hmm. you have different drivers, you actually can't compare. It's like, it's like right. um, uh, you know, are they actually the best driver? You don't know. It could just be driving the best car. Let's stick an idiot in there and test it. You know, we don't, we don't know. Um, uh, sorry, so, uh, I interrupted other people speaking. So wh whoever it was I interrupted, please say that uh, thing you're about to say. Yeah. I think from one angle of looking at it is, um, are we looking and certain roles yes you need technical knowledge but are you assessing technical knowledge versus soft skills in terms of the learning mindset the ability to cope in that environment personality characteristics is that what you're measuring against versus technical because some technical skills can be taught if you have the right individual and does that mean the quality of hire versus the technical aspects and totally appreciate some roles yes you do need the technical aspects of the role but again, it's what you're looking at for that organization, because then it's different way of looking at your workforce, looking at the talent attraction, retention as to are we giving the tooling, the performance, the learning and development, the guidance, mentorship, all that kind of stuff comes in to give a strong candidate journey and an employee journey at the end of the day. I think one thing we've got to be quite mindful of as well when candidates applying quality of hire and if say they're using ChatGPT and maybe their application is completely amazing because they've used that and then there's somebody else who would have actually been quite acceptable as a quality of hire before and they didn't use it, maybe they would even be better in the job than the person who used ChatGPT, but then they get discounted by AI at the get-go and I've actually heard of some individuals who are finding it really frustrating with ATS systems that are just kicking them out because they haven't got the right words in or the algorithms oh. within their applications and they're absolutely stunning candidates if if they had that if they well really if they used uh, GPT or other other um, AI so it's a it's a tricky one to actually navigate and also just from a, like an inclusion perspective as well um, Mike well, here's the thing. Uh, this is why I think it's very important that um, all TA and, and expand it wider, all organizations need to have a policy on how they think about candidates using AI uh, in their job application uh, process. You can't just leave it without any policy um, because what happens then is that local managers and local recruiters will be making their own judgments as to whether that's cheating or not. 
um, or permissible or not. Um, and Tom, I totally get your point. Why do some people think it's cheating? You, we can have that debate, but the issue is there is a debate. Um, and where there isn't guidance, it means that the a candidate might have a very different experience depending on which inbox they end up in. Um, uh, do you know what I mean? So there needs to be a policy that needs to be communicated to candidates so that uh, candidates are aware, can they or can they not use or in what context they can use, and then they can, be tr they, they can then take that on board itself. I'm also, uh, on the inclusion thing, Geraldine, I was also th thinking about this. Like there may be candidates that erroneously think that they'll be judged, uh, that, uh, that the, the employer might think using AI is cheating and therefore they don't use AI and the employer thinks it's totally okay. Uh, they put in a, a fully human application. It actually checks out worse because they haven't actually used AI to improve it. They get kicked out. And I'm thinking that's just the, that's just the, uh, a misalignment in, in moral evaluation, not necessarily anything to do with their potential as a candidate. So, you know what I mean? Touch about season. Yeah, I think Adam touched this on last week's call, I think. Um, and I think you were talking about scientific calculator, Adam, in the last week's call. But if you look at a student journey, like I'm old, I get it. But in my time, you had to read the textbook and go into an exam, and that was it. That was all the tools you had, your textbook knowledge in your brain. Now you get the open book text going. You have, you can use certain some tests. You can do the googling and all. But the tools are available to you. So world is evolving, but it's what you're allowing to happen in exam hall. I, what do you want to be allowed in a company environment? What element of AI is allowed or not allowed? Right. So there's perjury at one point, and then there's what's allowed at the other point. So you've got to find that what's right for us as an organization, and what do we allow? Because the job is being done. And it's not affecting anybody in terms of time, delivery, production, all that. Is that okay? I don't know. It, it's very argumentative. But the world, the, the key thing the world has is evolving, will keep evolving, will keep changing. We need to change with the world. So there is a place for AI, definitely. But again, goes back to us as an organization, how much of AI are we ready to take on? Yeah, it's a very important thing. Um, and I'm just thinking people are talking about a, a sort of co-pilot in Microsoft co-pilot and so on. Do you know what? That's actually quite expensive. I think people need to pay for that. And I'm just thinking, you know yeah. what? If you had access to this, you, you'd be able to outperform as a candidate compared to someone who doesn't. Uh, let's imagine you've been asked, oh, go and deliver a presentation, please. Um, and, you know, if you have all of these AI tools to support you in presentation, you'll be able to deliver that more efficiently at a higher level than someone who doesn't. Uh, and that's not necessarily a really good way to measure quality because uh, it's about your material circumstances, which you as a candidate had nothing to do about. Um, okay, folks, we're out of time. Uh, go on, Adam, you've got to go. Really quick thing. This is, this is, this is where I, I really believe, I don't know how long down the track it is, but I really believe at some point we're going to get to the point where the employer-employee relationship is about getting tasks done. And like if somebody wants to pay for a co-pilot that's going to help them do it 25% you know, faster and they're only clocking in for 75% of the time, no problem. You know, I think that uh, this is where we're going to end up going. Yeah, very interesting point. Like, are we actually doing the wrong thing by measuring hours? Because that's what we're doing when we're hiring someone on a perm basis. We're saying, look, we were gambling that that 40 hours a week you're giving us will give us this undefined level of value. Maybe if we have a better way to track um, outputs, um, then we forget about the hours, just track the outputs. Um, but that that's a blockchain conversation, isn't it? No. Uh, it isn't. Uh, okay, guys, we've got to go. Um, we have to leave it right there because we're out of time. 
thank you to our amazing guests. It's been wonderful having conversations with you. Uh, Geraldine, wonderful to see you. Thank you for joining. Matt Bradburn, great to get your contributions. Uh, Tush, I believe it may be your first time on Brave Through Live, so I uh, hope you've enjoyed the experience. Wonderful to have you here. Thank you, uh, thank you all for your contributions, uh, folks. Thank you. Bye. Happy weekend. Thank you. Bye. Cool. Um, all right, folks, um, we are coming to the end of the show. Um, thank you so much for watching. Uh, we'll be back next week as usual. Um, next week, what are we talking about? We are talking about how to hire for AI. Um, there's no question that we have a global shortage of experts uh, that are actually building these models and training these models. Data scientists, data engineers, research scientists. These are the people um, that are premium hires. I think every organization of any particular scale will be demanding this type of skill set. How do we go about it? Um, lots of people um, who are generalist recruiters or recruiting for different functions may suddenly have to deal with hiring for this skill set um, and this community. So we're going to bring together an expert guest list uh, of recruiters that know how to recruit these people, and we're going to give you 10 tips on how to do it. So make sure you uh, sign up for that show. It's on next week, same time, Friday, 2 p.m. Uh, follow the channel if you uh, like to be notified on that. Okay, that's it. Thank you for watching, everyone. We'll see you next week. Oh, sorry for over a man. Hope that was all right. Oh, I think he's frozen on me anyway. Um, that's all right. Are you still there? Uh, I, th I think it's a huge time lag. Um, uh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I think you're on mute, Adam, which is actually preferable, so that's fine. Uh, <laughs> have I muted you? I wouldn't do that, mate. Not on your birthday. Um, would you like to request control of Gordon's, Adam Gordon's mic? All right, I've requested control of your mic. and I've, right. got, you. I've got something to say. Just like on that, on that point that I just made about like tasks getting done, it's just, you know, we've actually got, Mike and I, have got no employees we're going to have one on the 4th of march we're going to have one on the 1st of may and i don't think we're going to have any others we've got we've currently got nine people working on tasks um around um uh, marketing around design around generative ai around um, a couple of areas of technology um but they're like uh, they're like defined period like things you know, and we need those. We need those things at a specific time. And you I know think what? That's going to no, scale. that is. I, I think that is scaling, and, and through push and pull, in the sense that it's harder to for skilled people. All those people are skilled people, so they yes. don't necessarily Experts. need excess training. Um, so I think that's suitable for experienced, basically experienced operators, of which there's a lot of them that can't find or don't want to acquire simultaneous so not simultaneous but equivalent jobs um that they've done before because they don't want to do full-time don't want to go to the office don't want to do the career politics thing and all that type of stuff so i totally get it um it's similar to the fractional working conversation we've had where people you know won't be full-time on any one employer but they'll engage their skills with multiple uh, employers have multiple things on the side nothing wrong with that uh, your management overhead goes down because, you know, you don't have to think about career development too much. You don't have to think about, you know, tight integration into team uh, and all that. It's important, but it's not as important if they were full time with you. Uh, so, yeah, I think a, the, the future shape of a business is this way. It's going to be core team. So founding team, maybe stake equity owners um, and then a, a cluster of people around them that are, are trusted to deliver these these types of uh, these types of tasks um and i think that's going to be 
an exciting opportunity for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, if you've got skills, I think it's a good time to try and trade uh, like this. A um, uh, little bit of problem for younger people coming in that don't have those skills. Like, um, you know, the, you need to find yourself an opportunity to get yourself skilled up. But uh, but yeah, we, we should be seeing different styles of, uh, of organization. Cool, listen, man. One other, All right. One other, one other re- I'm not, I know it's late for you, but listen, one other really quick thing. It's something that we haven't, I don't think we've covered this in like five years of, of whatever of Brainford Live. The concept of the covering letter. Oh my god! Like, it's. I mean, if that's not a thing that's rammed with bias, I don't know what is. Imagine reading somebody's covering letter and making a decision about whether they progress or not. Who the hell's doing that? You know what? It's it's, it's rightfully denigrated, but I'm going to blame our American mm-hmm. friends on this. Uh, so sorry, sorry, America. Um, and, and the reason why is because U.S. resumes are one pages. Um, and they're literally a resume. It's a, it's a quick summary. So the, the meant to crush it all into one page. It's just to list your employment record, basically. Uh, it's very hard to really put the nuance about those things, which is why I think the cover letter was always a bigger deal in the US because it was effectively in the UK and Europe, it would actually be an integrated document. Um, yeah. And you'd be reading a two, two to three page document, and no need for an additional thing. So I think yeah. there's a cultural difference there on, on that regard. So America needs to sort that out. Um, but you're it's right. Boring, but I'd quite like to talk about it. You know what? It, it, it's boring. No, no, no one cares about cover letters. I think I think we could have done it ten years ago. We would have got like maybe fifty people watching it. But now it's like, it's going to be you talking to me, and you know, no one wants that. Um, all right, listen. All right. Uh, I'll let you go. Happy birthday, mate. Uh, I'll buy. Yeah, I'll buy a non-alcoholic drink next time I see you and um, we'll take it from there, okay? Cheers, bye. See you later.